1: Hello and welcome to the parenthood. We all dream of well-mannered children. We love characters, dreamers, the cheeky ones who bring a smile to our faces. But children who understand when they've overstepped the mark and as a result listen when they're being talked to are a pleasure to be around. The ones who don't know when to stop are not. Being well-mannered stems from boundaries, and with me today, I've got someone who has spent her career not only looking after children, but teaching parents how to be the architects of their children's good behaviour. Alexa Taylor has spent the last 10 years not only looking after children, but working with parents to overcome the challenges that go with it. Alexa, um, great <laughs> no, to have no, you here. Thank no. you so much. I have huge admiration for you. You know, it's the end of the summer holidays. I've just sent my children back at, back to school, and I was so at my wits end with them. How do you cope with <laughs> other people's Well, you don't even have
0: that sort of love for them. Well, a lot of patience and time, but, um, you know, all the fun stuff makes it worth it. Oh, good. So we're going to talk a little bit about boundaries today, which um, it's a bit of an
1: abstract idea. What mm. do we mean when we talk about boundaries?
0: Um, so it's a good question, because there's lots of things that can go around what boundaries are. But I think the biggest thing is obviously behaviour. Mm. Um, when people want to establish boundaries, the most of the time it's because they're trying to address the behaviour in a way that's teaching you know children right and wrong. Um, it's about giving you know children consequences. It's giving them the um, The limits, understanding how to behave in certain situations and what will happen if they don't. Um, Establishing routines can be, uh, establishing boundaries can be really tricky sometimes because parents get afraid of, you know, saying no or the know-how on how to do it and how to carry it through. Um, So I think when, you know, we talk about boundaries, it's it's how to do it and what to do with them.
1: Because it's not being... Like Captain No Fun. It's
0: not being like not allowing
1: your children to be cheeky and fun and characterful. Yeah. But it's because we all want a little bit of personality. And the last thing we want is that kind of idea of Victorian children being seen (laughs) and not heard and not like being able to sort of talk and develop their personalities. But giving them boundaries is, is I think, very different, isn't it? It's sort of teaching them what is and isn't acceptable when it comes to behaviour. Exactly. Running around and screaming and having fun, but not just going overboard and then becoming irritating and overbearing and
0: you know. Yeah exactly because a lot of the time like you say it's that it's not it's an attack on the person's you know, the child's personality it's actually about just giving them that boundary of actually this isn't acceptable behavior so you know especially if you are giving um, a consequence or you're telling your child telling your child off essentially it's more about you should label the behavior as well not the child and that's how you can create that you know clear differenti- differentiation so between a character and it being that it's a behaviour. It's just about, you know, if you have a clear idea of what your limits are on being cheeky and naughty, it's like, you know, the example you can use of throwing a ball around the house and you keep asking and then they don't, it's then, well where do you stop that behavior it's like you have to be the person to step in and be like again I've asked you three times you've not listened so now I'm going to take that away and that's your consequence whereas a lot of the time I think what happens is parents get too afraid of doing that because of the upset and the uproar that it can cause so then they don't and then the child just then becomes you know a bit more unruly and then they're just like oh actually I can control you because I know you're not going to do what you're saying
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I guess you know children are born into this world not knowing any boundaries they don't know when to stop when and then when to stop, you know playing, like they, they, they don't know when they need to go to sleep. Yes. They need to be told when they need to go to sleep. They, you know, we all know about sleep hygiene and good sleep habits, and mm-hmm. we're sort of introducing those to them, not telling them they have to sleep, but saying actually this is in your interest that you sleep, yeah. or you eat, or you go to the loo, or you have a bit of rest time, or you have to do your homework. Yeah, It's sort of, I guess it's teaching them what mm-hmm. is going to be ultimately beneficial to them yeah. uh, in a kind and gentle way. Um, so that they can thrive in this world.
0: Exactly. It's not It's not about being strict or being mean. It's just actually about guiding them. And I think that's actually, you know, being able to do that is a really important parenting tool because it just shows that, you know, this is what we're doing. This is how we'll do it. And you just have to follow that. There's no reason why it should be wrong or right. Like you say, during your homework, it's just, you have to do that. So it's not about them being that you're being mean to them or telling them to do something that they don't want to do. It's just that that's part of what they need to do. Boundaries, they
1: are the kindest thing to give your children, aren't they? If you think, I think about us as adults, we all have our boundaries. You know, if you meet someone in the street and they're a bit kind of funny and cheeky and whatever, that's fine up to a point. But we've all been in a situation where you've encountered someone who's a bit drunk or a bit forward mm-hmm. or a bit, and we're like, oof, that, that makes us feel really in, uncomfortable. Yes. And essentially what we're doing is teaching our children the introduction to those boundaries so that they can yeah. be good, polite well-liked people
0: exactly because especially if you um like I mentioned earlier about if you have your boundaries and stuff you it's, it's literally taking what you said about those things that make you feel uncomfortable and you're like oh I'm not I'm not happy with that situation because you're going to break something or that's not very kind and I think when you're setting the boundaries one of the things that's important is to also explain to a child why that you're setting that boundary because if you don't they're just going to be like you're just telling me off like mm-hmm. why are you saying no to me like they won't understand it mm-hmm. and sort of especially with younger children I think that that's a really important thing because you know an example is when um you know say you're about to cross the road and you've got a little child that's standing really close to the edge and you just say get back like they're they're gonna be like whoa like "Mummy's just child, let me get back and oh okay like get overwhelmed whereas then if you say to the child there's also then a fine line because you you know you want to say to a child okay can you come back because it's not safe that's setting the boundary and also explaining why that boundary is being put in place whereas then you sometimes get the parents that go the other way, where it's like, "Oh gosh, get back! It's really unsafe. A car can hit you. You're making me anxious." And then you're creating a whole other scenario because it's saying you're going more into like the feelings, and it's just then like it makes it a bit more um, extreme that that child will then start to feel anxious, like, "Oh, actually, like, oh no, I don't want to, you know, go out near a road now." Whereas it's just more about finding that fine line of, "This is a boundary, and this is why." I get that point of explaining
1: to children I think actually makes total sense because you know it's not I remember being told you know but why do I have to do this and people going because I said so teachers because I said so and I remember finding that so frustrating like well, so what? Because you say so. Like, give me a valid reason. And actually, mm. our children are capable of understanding reason, yeah. um, especially if you communicate with them in a way that they can understand. And actually, that makes total sense. You know, I ask you to sit at the table and eat with your knife and fork mm-hmm. because it is a hygienic thing to do, because it is a polite thing to do, and because you would not be considered a well-brought-up child if you didn't know how to use your knife and fork. And this mm. is why it's so important. And you can give, I guess, you know, you can give examples. Yeah. Um I always said to my children, imagine if you went to Buckingham Palace and met the Queen and you didn't know how to use your knife or fork. Imagine. <laughs> and my children were like, well, I'm never going to go. Well, just I'll just eat it. with my fingers. <laughs> but you're right and, and just sort of communicating with them and, and also I suppose even if it's not immediately at the time you know that, that, that example you gave of being at the side of the road sometimes they cross boundaries and you're really scared or you're really angry mm. and you snap at them but actually even then finding a time when everyone's a little less agitated and saying you know how I got a bit cross with you when we're at the side of the road mm-hmm. it's really important that you don't jiggle on the side of the road or ride your scooter as fast as you can towards yeah. the road because of this because actually very mm. often when they're in this heightened sense of anxiety they're not listening to you either you're not able to communicate and it's much better to have that conversation when everyone's calmed down maybe at bed at night or you're doing something else and then actually they'll understand that a lot better
0: yeah I think that comes within the you know how to go about setting boundaries as well so I think it's quite important to do that you know conversation piece sitting down at the table or at bedtime like you say when especially they're a little bit older and they can take that on I'm sort of thinking more you know if you've got like a two-year-old and it's just you need that sharp sharp reason that that's what they'll carry through Mm -hmm. rather than you know if you if you tried to sit down with a two year old at the table and have that conversation they might not take it on but I also think there's lots of great tools out there for children and to understand about boundaries you know like the do you remember the um the hedgehog advert
1: no where it was like
0: the hedgehogs used to cross the road and I had to stop look left right oh was it like a road safety thing yeah and I remember like gosh that's really good because I know there was times I wouldn't listen to my mum yeah. and that it's then like you it's like another visual so there's definitely things out there that work for smaller children where you can um you know show examples of how to set a boundary but it's then also just thinking those those moments it's then like knowing how to give it at that time like preparing yourself that that's how you're going to handle it rather than maybe you know having that moment of agitation and then having to explain later because a two-year-old might not understand it back to the idea that
1: boundaries are the kindest thing to give your children Mm -hmm. I read somewhere that children feel much more secure if Mm -hmm. they're given boundaries if they're sort of given free reign to do whatever they want I read um I read something where a child who basically had been given no boundaries was interviewed. And he said on reflection, all he wanted were his parents to yeah. say, actually that behavior is not okay. Mm-hmm. Cause he said, I push it and push it and push it and push it. And what I was really searching for was, well, when is it too much? But mm-hmm. they didn't tell me and I needed that. And so while it might feel that you're being a bit mean and you're telling them, no, you can't do that. You're actually showing them what is too much and that in itself is is quite secure and they they might not recognize that at the time but I felt that 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 sort of point of view was really interesting that Mm -hmm. that's what us parents need to do that's what they need from us they need obviously our unconditional love but they also need us to be honest with them about what when it is too much
0: yeah totally because you know when they're really small you may think that you know you're pushing back all the time on things that they're trying to test like you know there's examples we've used, but what happens as they start getting older is like imagine if they go to school and then they've got a, a teacher that's asking them to do something and they don't listen. Mm. There's going to be so much confliction there. You then go to college, you're going to have the same thing. You go to work, you're going to have the same thing. Like that child will end up feeling entitled because they've never had anyone telling them no. Mm. So as much as you you feel like you're battling with a two year old all the time, it's not about that. It's actually setting a whole you know path for their future because then they won't have that and they'll understand limits
1: how I mean children are kind of born testing the boundaries aren't they I mean they don't sort of do it how 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 does that start when they're a baby what sort of things well not probably not when they're a baby but when they start to sort of communicate and engage with with adults what would you see in a sort of young child in terms of pushing those boundaries and testing them
0: so um I actually do think you can start setting boundaries when they're small um a common common you know, a uh, situation a parent might ask me about is leaving babies on a mat. And they'll be like, oh, I, you know, I don't feel like I can leave them. Like, I can't leave the room because if I do, they start crying. So I just then sit there and wait till they've gone to to sleep to go to the toilet. And I'm just like, hang on a second. <laughs> like, that child is six months old and you're already letting them rule the roost because you can't even go to the toilet. And that was actually quite a recent situation. And I just thought, no like it's fine like you can leave your child to cry like sure you're upsetting them but it goes with exactly the same thing a lot of people don't feel like they can set the boundaries because they don't want to upset their child and it's exactly the same thing for a six month old you might feel like you're upsetting them because you're letting them cry to go to the toilet but that's fine and you're also you know if you're sat there all the time not leaving them you're setting that unrealistic boundary of I'm always going to be there because you're not like they need to know that and you know even times then when they start nursery it's then like oh, hang on, but you're always meant to be with me when I cry and you're now leaving me crying at a door of somewhere I don't know. Like, what's going on here? It's just, it's about setting the right signals and the right messages from a young age. So if you notice that that situation's happening, then you know that already is a boundary that you're trying to come across and get over and you need to think about the best way to handle it at that time.
1: Because the idea of leaving your baby distressed on a mat obviously is not very appealing to of people. Course. But at the same time, I guess what the most important thing you teach them is that you will be back, yeah, that you might leave them, mm-hmm. but you love them, and you will be back, and if you never leave them, then they don't know that exactly they think that if you're leaving them, that's it,
0: yeah, exactly. I think obviously they go through their separation periods and that's part of their development and their growth, but it's also still like you have to deal with that in a way that's still suitable to not making bad you know bad behaviours and bad habits it's almost a bit like when I do sleep training with parents they're just a bit like oh gosh like you know this has happened and that's happened and one example was um, I had a little girl and she was 14 months and she was still up until 1am because they were like we, ha- we haven't set a bedtime and I'm like why not And we're like oh we just let her tell us and I'm like she's 14 months old I'm like you have to no, <laughs> you're the parents here, you set bedtime, you want your evenings, you take her to bed. So the sleep training in that um situation wasn't even about just getting rid of bad habits of you know the dummy and things like that. It was actually a total behavioural hoover situation. And that's where it's kind of like that's the follow-through part of like you have to put your foot down and be like, no, I'm in charge. And that isn't being strict, that isn't being mean, that's actually just showing you know who the hierarchy is and children do look for that because as well like they're always going to have people who are above them so, like the situation with school and college etc so it's like if you implement that from as young as age as possible then they're going to carry that through like 14 months wouldn't be too young to set boundaries like or baby
1: so. Well, I mean, I think the going to bed one is, is a big one, actually. Yeah. And if you've got a child that accepts bedtime is bedtime, it's so much easier. I find at the end of the day, I am spent. <laughs> and to have that sort of big negotiation about whether or not it's bedtime, it's sort of, that's often the time when I'll start snapping right. and being, probably communicating with my children in a way that I shouldn't. So to have a child that sort of accepts that no bedtime is bedtime and it is non-negotiable yeah. uh, is, is actually a, a, a brilliant thing to have. Because, you know, I was talking to my sister the other day and her daughter is just trying transitioning into a big girl's bed so into that. a cot which she can obviously get out of and she said to me I mean how's that going to work she's just going to leave and she's right. going to come and she's going to come into my bed because she can she's not locked into this cot mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said to you know how would you deal with that because that is again a kind of typical the boundaries yes mm-hmm. I acknowledge that you can step out of your bed and you can come and find us but I'm trusting that you're not going to do this mm-hmm. how, how would you go about setting those boundaries
0: um so at that point you you know before you actually move them over you can have that discussion because she is at that point of understanding and you can use again books that will talk about going into the big girl's bed or in your own bedroom and you know you say this is exciting this is your space like you want to be in here like so you can make it a really exciting time but then if you get to that point where they're not doing it and they are coming out of their bed it is simply taking them back you just have to keep going until they get the message that actually, okay, just because the side of that cot's gone does not mean that I have to now get out of bed all the time. Like, it's then you then become that barrier. You become that side of that cot to say, like, no, you're back in that bed because this is what bedtime is. This is your space to sleep, not my bed. <laughs> hey, folks, I'm Mark Maron from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues
1: How does threatening work? I mean, what Might. about saying, listen, I trust you to be a big enough girl to sleep in a big girl's bed. Mm-hmm. But if you are going to get out the whole time, then you're obviously not big enough to sleep in your big girl's bed. So you go back to your cot. Is that mm-hmm. a sensible thing to do? Or is that too mean?
0: Um, I would say at that point, because when you made the jump, I wouldn't then maybe say like, okay, let's have a cot. I'm going to give you back your cot. It's then about a consequence of something else that she enjoys having. So if it's like, okay, there's a set time of day that you get to watch Paw Patrol, then you will be like, you won't have that tomorrow if you get out of your bed. The main thing when you're making these consequence threats is you follow through. If you don't, that child is just going to know, oh, actually, okay, mum isn't saying, you know, isn't doing what she said. So I'm just going to keep getting out of my bed it's as soon as you make those threats of you know what the consequence is you have to follow it um also I think what's also really good is to acknowledge the good behavior so if she slept through in her bed you know if a child doesn't get out you then be like oh my gosh you're such a big girl like well done and you know sometimes I know I've worked with some people that really struggle to kind of bring out that uplifting positive you know vibe but when you start doing that that's what they react to they don't react to then the bad behavior because the the bad response it because they're like oh i'm not you know not going to get the attention from that i'm going to get the attention from doing good um it's why i actually do quite like the um i don't know if you've heard of the jar technique the pasta jar technique oh
1: yes putting pasta exactly. shells in a jar yeah. as a sort of point scheme exactly. so every time there's good behavior then when the jar is filled they get a prize or something yeah
0: and then it's then if they don't you know follow through you take something you take a piece of pasta out of the jar so that's then something becoming you know being taken away from their their prize and then a lot of times children are like but hang on like no like i want that so then you can then be like well if you do it tonight you get the pasta back so it's then showing them that there are the consequences but there's also the rewards so it's not just always like you feel like you're being negative or you feel like you're always having to go at them or telling them off and being like you have to do this it's then actually it's a really fun thing as well
1: there's a a, a, that parenting book by uh, noel janice norton uh, um karma happy easy parenting and i remember the kind of take home from that was that she said ultimately children are after your attention Mm -hmm. so if you can ignore the bad behavior and only praise the good behavior but ignore the bad stuff rather than acknowledge it Mm -hmm. you're sort of that's kind of the best reward system and and i think you're totally right you know on the one hand as a grown-up i think well, she slept in her bed, big deal. That's kind of what, you, what But, should but do. it is a big mm. deal for a two year old. It's exactly. a massive thing. And, and actually acknowledging that. Um, and I guess night after night after night, even if she's done it for four weeks, you'll you're say, you know, and even say, I told Grandma today that you were sleeping yeah. a bit, and she says she's really proud of you because it's not sometimes just the parents; it's sometimes having that acknowledgement from someone else mm-hmm. who's a bit further removed, or telling their teacher at nursery, or yeah. um, making you know a big deal. That is as much of a of a you know a, an incentive for them as a suite or a yeah. watching Paw Patrol. You know yeah. that's <laughs> sort of pride. And you know yes. you look at two year olds. I look at my niece who's two, and what she wants more than anything in the whole world is acknowledgement that she's a big girl she's not a baby and if that you can sort of incorporate that into your rhetoric that's probably more powerful than getting cross if they don't do exactly
0: yeah because like you say it just gives a whole different sense of feeling for them it's like oh actually i've achieved something really great and it might not seem like a big thing to you but it's like for a two-year-old that's such like a grown-up moment um i think also um Going with that is, you know, like, say, doing it for like four weeks, they change constantly. There's always something that they're going to be testing, and there's always going to be something that they're trying to work on that you need to try and set those boundaries that then almost like, that behavior does then become normal and it's then they're not you know needing to seek that as their reward it's then like oh actually then I'm moving on to something else and then you just carry through the same process and the same um way you carry it out to the next the next step basically
1: um, and I guess continuing acknowledge- to acknowledge what they're doing well I mean my children yeah. are pretty good at going to bed and they know bed means bed but I guess even though they're now eight and nine just to say, say guys I am just really proud that you know you do go to bed when I ask you to and you do go mm. to sleep and I'm really grateful for that even though it's expected and it's not you know that costs yeah. nothing it's not mm-hmm. rotting their teeth it's <laughs> yeah. not, you know letting them play Fortnite. it's just it's it's something that's really easy to give yeah. I actually think in life giving compliment like telling people yeah. when they've been really kind or when they've done something like i was even was i talking to a like i don't know a shop assistant the other day i was like you've been so helpful thank you so much and you just mm. like that totally lit up her face and actually yeah. if you can kind of do that if you can model that behavior as an adult with your kind of friends and other adults as well as with your children i mean mm-hmm. it just makes your life easier doesn't it
0: massively it just makes those like, people so much more pleasant like pleasant to be around mm. definitely
1: So, um, I mean, the other big sort of boundaries, I guess, as children get older is um, around sort of TV watching and and kind of tablets. I know that that's where sort of people struggle, Mm. that there is, you know... I'm a big believer that they need to have some kind of cultural, you know, Fine, you don't want your children to grow up, you know, watching TV and mm. on the iPad the whole time. But there is an element of that. I think if you totally deprive your child of that, then you're not doing them any favors either. Mm. But again, it's a great opportunity to teach them boundaries, to teach that, you know, whether it's about eating sweets that by all means enjoy some sweet things, but mm. you can't eat that the whole time. And by all means enjoy some TV or some computer game playing, but this can't rule your life. Yeah. How do you initiate that conversation with them? And and how would you instill those boundaries? Because you know the other thing with sort of tech is that it is highly addictive, a bit like sugar. Mm. You know, the more you do it, you know these these very these very creative tech uh, engineers are specifically making iPads and games,
0: yeah,
1: compelling. And you know we find it difficult to put our phones down. Yes. Um, yeah. So how do you go around that?
0: Um, so there's two ways you can look at. I think you know using tech is either it's a reward. So almost then like the pasta thing. when they're younger it's like okay if you do this job and you do that job then that you know each one equates to 10 minutes of being on the ipad or something um or the other thing is that you then have set times and it's then like so rather than it being that it's like a reward it's like at this time of day you know there's something you may need to focus on or do and it could be you know cooking the dinner and stuff like that and you find if they're just you know sat doing their thing for half an hour then that's fine uh but then if you didn't you know, if you're not using it as a reward and you need to find something as a consequence, you then obviously have something else. So I think tech can be used as a, a reward and a consequence situation, mm-hmm. um, especially if you are using it limited. Um, you know, there's some people who just stick the TV on all day and I'm just like, "Actually, should jog get outside? Um, but well, it becomes the background
1: noise exactly. and then no one really even focuses on it.
0: And then that's the thing, you then can't use it. And I actually do think it's quite a good bargaining chip. Um, I think for older children, it's definitely about, you know, having those conversations and about saying that, you know, this is when it goes down, like you put it down, no more picking up, it's done. And if your child knows that that previously you don't follow through on your boundaries, then it's going to mean nothing to them. So as long as you have already got boundary setting in place, then they'll follow that through. It's then finding that ground with the child to make sure that they understand enough's enough otherwise then that's how they become addicted
1: and I guess you know the consequences thing that if you say right you've done that no iPad today mm-hmm. following through which all is also quite hard because very often you're like fine you can be on the iPad for half an hour while I do my own thing for half yeah. an hour which as a parent you sometimes really need yeah. but I guess if you can't give them the iPad then don't say that you're not going to prevent them from using it so don't don't make a threat that you know won't be followed through that's kind of the worst thing you can do isn't it yes
0: yeah it's about when you don't follow through that's the moment they know no matter what age no matter what the situation is no matter what the consequences if you're not following through your child knows that you're not in charge because as soon as you lose control, they take it. And that's what ultimately what boundaries come down to. Like, who is the person that's uh, you know, in charge here? Who's the hierarchy? Who's the one that's in control? And it's not about controlling your children. It's about things that you can manage and control, like their behavior to make things you know better for everyone.
1: And I mean, it's pretty simple then. Yeah. You know, you yeah. set your boundaries, you make it clear that these are the boundaries and you make it clear that if they are not um, respected, that there will be consequences and the consequences always get initiated yeah. if if that happens yeah um which is is I mean, it's, it sounds really easy it sounds really straightforward but it's not only a straightforward thing to do and i guess from a parenting point of view you then need to think twice about making those threats yes you know a oh don't make gosh. threats that you can't follow yeah. up on don't be like right i'm cancelling the holiday i'm, oh I'm, I'm cancelling, cancelling it kids it. um, okay like
0: you're so, so not. not gonna do that exactly it's so funny. <laughs> that is literally an example i have with me because it's about being realistic with what you're threatening, essentially, because I was in the garden the other day, and, I was, you know, it was a really nice weather, and the family who live out the back we were all playing out as well. And, obviously, it was, uh, it was time to, to go in, and I can't remember exactly the first thing that she'd said, but it was obviously along the lines of, can you pick something up? Because her next line was, if you don't pick that up, I'm not taking you on holiday. And I was like... I literally jotted it down because so i was like oh my gosh I was like that's so <laughs> so like perfect because at the end of the day hand on your heart do you know anyone that would follow through with that fire <laughs> no like of course and your child will know that too like oh, whatever, mum, of course I'm going to go on holiday. You're not going to leave me here. And I think when you're setting those consequences, you have to be realistic as to what is appropriate for their age. And that's be it the iPad or you're not going out with your friends this evening. Something that's then not so drastic because, yeah, that child will just know I can carry on doing what I'm doing because that's not going to happen. Yeah,
1: I've I've said it to my children, you know, or you're not coming out for dinner with us this evening. And then Ayaan is like, well, who's going to look after me? You're not going to leave me alone (laughs) here. I'm like... <laughs> yeah, oh my god, you're really me. just
0: like as I Oh my god! But I guess it's almost worse.
1: Like when when you're calm, thinking through on your own. Like, okay, what threats can I give that are going to be effective yeah. enough for her to say, "I'm going to, you know, whatever it is, is you know, you're not going to have pudding for lunch," yes. or um, you know, when you. Um, Whatever it is, you're going to get one less week. Next time you you get a sort of ice cream, you're not going to be able to have one, or you have to choose a small one, or mm. you could have to have the ice lolly and not the ice cream. Whatever it is, knowing your child and knowing what works, you know, I said yeah. to you know to Ina, you're not allowed to read before you go to sleep. You have to go straight to sleep. If that's right. if that's the behaviour you're going to do, which she knows is okay, she will follow through on that. But yeah,
0: right. it's <laughs> then the more things that feel a bit more extreme, like going out for dinner. It's a bit like, oh no, actually. Whereas then you can say to yourself okay, you're not having ice cream with McGrath for dinner tonight, no Mm -hmm. pudding for you, like, that's Mm -hmm. not good behaviour, so that's not, you're not Mm going to have a reward because for them, obviously going out for dinner may not actually be the reward it's then the pudding mm. and it's then thinking about what works for their age and what's appropriate mm.
1: i remember when we were little i've got two sisters and we were squabbling in the back of the car and my mother was like if you don't be quiet i'm gonna crush the car <laughs> and actually i remember being quite
0: freaked out <laughs> <I'm> like, what? <laughs> no. fact, she's not gonna crash
1: the
0: car <laughs> well to be fair i remember when i was younger we um we were really close with my cousins growing up and my Auntie had threatened to my cousin like if you if you don't stop I'm literally going to put you outside this road and you can walk there. And I was like, whatever. Like, you know, maybe for me growing up, I wasn't, you know, I, was, I didn't follow boundaries as much, maybe. Uh, but then my auntie literally stopped the car on the side of a dual carriageway and made my cousin get out. And I was like, and we drove off. And I was like, oh. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, did that actually just happen? And sometimes it's that element of shock that I was then like, wow, like people actually do do it and it can then you know make everyone else then step in line a bit more because I was then like wow my auntie actually really means what she says <laughs> I'm gonna listen to her a bit more I mean
1: we rewind this conversation we we're having this conversation yes. 100 years ago mm. uh, smacking would have been a big <sighs> part of sort of discipline
0: yeah we know that doesn't work is that right yes I don't think so because at the end of the day if you're treating bad, bad behavior of that you're setting example that that's how you can react Mm-hmm. No. Like, if you, if you smacked your child and then they went to nursery and smacked a child, the nursery straight away would be like, that cannot happen. So then you have to look at, like, well, why are they smacking? And it's like, well, actually, is it because the parents used it? And it's like, it's not an acceptable behaviour. And your child will grow up to continue to be physical for their dealing with their behaviour because you've set that example. And, there's there's yeah. evidence, isn't there, that children
1: yeah. who grow up in mm-hmm. houses where there is smacking are more likely to be slightly violent or yeah totally there's
0: obviously um there's a bit of a fine line with it but depending on their age because i find when they go through that transition of learning how to talk they use that a lot as a way of venting their frustration because you know biting is a huge one at that point because they're like i'm so frustrated i can't tell you what i need or what i want so i'm going to bite and then parents then might react that to that with you know i've seen it before they smack them on the hand and it's like that doesn't seem that severe but that actually isn't the reason as to why that child's biting so i think when you know what the sort of common um outlets are in terms of that frustration so the biting you know that that's not it whereas like if child starts going around smacking all the time then maybe it's because you know Mm. there's something else that that's how they're disciplined oh
1: i've had so many specialists on this podcast and so many people just come back to me and go you know it's all about modeling good behavior yourself Mm -hmm. you know if you want your children to have a a healthy you know relationship with tech look at your relationship with tech yeah if you want your children to be polite be polite to them and be polite to other people let you see them being polite to other people yeah. you know if you want them to go to bed at a good time you need to go to bed at a good time I'm not saying yeah. it's seven o'clock but yeah you know and the smacking thing obviously you know you're saying to them it's okay to smack yeah. Um and we are setting it, it's that not. example
0: you're not showing it there's a limit that, that you can't do that so they're so just going to do it
1: apart from you know consequences so you know if you throw that ball one more time you're not allowed to have pudding kind mm. of um what about the naughty step and time out do you think and, that works
0: yes i've used time out um a few times there was uh, one family that i used to work for and i had th- three children in my care and there was a little girl um who persistently would push her younger sisters over and i was like this was also my first week, so I always have that expectation of, OK, they're really going to test the boundaries because I'm new. They want to see where they stand with me, and I obviously then need to show them where it, where it does stand. So she kept doing it, and I, I said to her, I was like, can you stop pushing over your sisters? And um, she did it again. I was like, OK, we need to stop doing that, because it's not very kind. So she did it again, and I was like, if you do it another time, you're going on timeout. And I think she was a bit like, almost a bit like, oh, what was timeout? So she did it again and then I put her straight on time out and obviously she didn't like it because it went I sat sat her on the uh, at the bottom of the stairs and she was crying and I was just a bit like no like she needs to know that she cannot keep pushing her scissors over um, did the timer a couple of minutes long then so went, you
1: just put it on a timer how, how long yeah. would you say is appropriate I mean it's like depends on the old age of the child yeah
0: so they kind of uh, they say one minute for every year so at this point it was like three minutes so I then went out and I said to her I was like why are you on the not like not naughty stuff I don't say naughty but I was like why are you on time out and she was like oh um because I did something wrong and I was like what did you do she's like I pushed my sisters over and I was like so you weren't listening and you weren't being very kind um like that was my elaboration on the on the conversation and that obviously I think using the time out it can get a bit conflicting because that was obviously for bad behavior but I then also had another situation that week where I was like oh gosh like when they say pick your battles some people probably would have just been like oh you could have just let that go like it's really not a big deal but again it's using these techniques are showing the authority in the situation so we were playing and we'd had lots of different toys out and she went to get another one and I was like hang on a second before we get more out because it was quite a messy messy game we were gonna get out I was like let's hide everything else away and she was like no and carried on bringing the box over and I was like you need to go and put this stuff away first because we actually don't have the room to sit and play like I wasn't just sort of making it up and she was like no carried on coming over and I was like if you don't put it away I'm going to have to put it away and you're going to go on time out for not listening and she literally just looked at me as if I was talking gibberish and carried on walking over and I was like oh because at that point it's like she's not really doing anything fundamentally wrong but she's not listening and I'm like oh gosh I'm really gonna have to just follow through this now and even like I know that feeling of where you're like oh no I'm just creating now like a bigger situation out of something that seems so minor um but I did I got up I got the box I went and put it back and I was like okay you're going on time out and I just literally walked her to be fair she came with me just actually followed me because it is that thing of they do need you to do that and they also know. I think, to some extent, that it needs to happen. So, she just came along. I sat down. I was like, right, I'm gonna come back out by the time is over, and we're going to talk about it then. So she cried, did the same thing as she did the few days before, and then once it was done, we talked about it, and then I had the same discussion as previously. And then I said to her, I was like, right, will you now come and help me tidy up the toys? And she was like, okay. Literally got up, we tidied up the toys, and carried on playing. From that day on literally 99% of the time she listened to me. And it's just like, it just shows, it's like, it's almost like when, um, like a lot of the routine work that I do, it's, you're going to have a tough week if it's especially a new thing that you're implementing and you have to work at it. But once it works it works they then just carry on and the times when they're not then listening or they are pushing the boundaries i find is when they're actually learning new things they're gaining a new confidence or they've learned something else that they want to try and do that maybe they haven't done before so they're kind of seeing you know how far can i go with this what you know what mum and dad are going to do or you know that sort of thing um and i just think you know once, once you've done it it's there
1: yeah, and having a child that listens to you. Yeah. Oh my God, it's amazing. It's so much easier, and you're going to be mm. so much happier as a parent, aren't you? If you say yeah. to your child, "It's time for bed now," and they go to bed. Yeah. Or it's time to tidy up now, and they do it rather than having this negotiation and this kind of getting angry with them. And ultimately, you'll spend a lot less time annoyed with them. Yeah. And getting cross with them than you know than if they didn't have those boundaries. Yeah, totally. totally. What happens if a child won't sit on time out?
0: What if they just get up and run around? You have to keep it in the back you have to just keep going with it because at the end of the day like if you don't straight away they've got that control back because you're not following through with what you've said if my consequence is you're going on time out you're going on time out unfortunately like that is the situation and I think that is the thing where, where it can feel like a lot of parents are like oh gosh like it's so much hard work like I thought just saying no my child should listen but it's not it is actually like you have to constantly work on it and like like I said, they're constantly changing and pushing the boundaries. That you feel like it's just relentless, but as long as you've got that sort of core, um, you know, value in your boundaries, they'll it'll follow through and then it'll make you know learning new boundaries easier
1: Mm. and I guess you know there's also the doing it I'll do it and then they don't do it or that they and I get this again with my daughter that I say right time to go to bed and she'll start doing something and she'll mooch around she'll do a little dance around the kitchen singing about how she's (laughs) going to go to bed and actually you know the other challenge I certainly had was but no I'm asking you to do it now and I think what I start doing is counting down i just go five Four, yeah. and she knows as soon as she's got to do it. Yes, and actually, as soon as I say five, she goes and, she goes and
0: does it. She goes yeah. and does it. I think that's just that's also that's children though. Like that's where it's like you know we talked about the personality side. It's also just knowing that kids will do that a little bit, and it's then about how to manage it in a way that you're not then losing your temper and becoming. You know agitated to the point where they're like oh it's fine because you're just shouting at me but nothing's gonna happen like doing that countdown is great because then you've still got control of that situation as much as she's doing something that might be irritating you it's then like well but no like mm-hmm. we need to stop now and mm-hmm. then she just knew that she was crossing that line which is hurt your boundary and she now needs to follow through so just as you did which and the other good.
1: thing with the negotiation you know I'd say right you know three more mouthfuls and then you, you're done you've right. done well and yeah she,
0: oh mommy I want to
1: and then I'd go like right it's four now yes it's oh that- but mommy okay it's 5 and yeah. they very soon realize that if yeah. you say three more mouthfuls it's three more mouthfuls because again the thing that's exhausting is this negotiation oh but no mm. i don't want to do three please can i i don't you know and you know yeah. so again there's that sort of the 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 boundaries thing there how I think, you know, this is all very well when mm. you've got loads of energy um, yeah. and you think, I am going to sort of follow through. But there are obviously times when your child is like really tired because maybe it's the end of the week at school or they've had a bad mm. night's sleep or they're coming down with a cold and they're obviously a bit more cranky. And often that's when they push your buttons a lot more. Mm. How forgiving are you about sort of external factors or do you just have to be consistent throughout?
0: Um That's tricky, because I think it's about the balance, because you definitely don't want to be harsh when they are unwell. Um, But it's still, yeah, it's because you still, you still want to be like, okay, like, if you're not very well then sometimes you are like, okay, you can watch a movie or something, whereas normally that wouldn't happen.
1: I mean, like putting a child who's feeling wretched with a hacking cough and a temperature on timeout, I just don't, it's probably not going to do you many favours. But I guess the key then is not to say you do that one more time, you're going on timeout. Mm. You just maybe say to them listen I understand you're feeling a bit cranky today I know that why don't we have a hug yeah and try and resolve it that way rather than I guess the key is not to make those threats and then not to follow through on them yeah once you've made that threat yeah I mean threats the wrong word but once you've warned them about the consequences you have to follow through on it, whatever
0: yeah so I think in that moment you just need to sort of assess the situation and see maybe why the behavior is happening in the first place like you say if it's because they're really tired at the end of the day then trying to follow through on something might just then create an even bigger situation that it's like, actually, let's just have a sit on the sofa, take five minutes, have, you know, a timeout of just together, almost then doing that time out together of just sitting and taking it calm for a moment, because then it can just kind of just diffuse the situation rather than ramp it up by trying to follow through, especially if it's, in, it's not because they're, they're pushing your boundaries, they're acting out because actually there's something else going on rather than just, you know, misbehaving. Mm -hmm.
1: And I guess we talked about you mentioned this earlier but picking your battles and I do think that is really important I definitely have a tendency to be quite sort of strict and be like no of course you can't have a sweet now but actually sometimes when you're on holiday and you my sister always says to me come on Marina it's like a treat thing and of course once I've said no then I have to mean no but actually sometimes you do just need to let things go Mm -hmm. um and say oh come as a treat then yeah rather than always being absolutely blanket no because actually life is about a give and take for them as much as it is about us you know I'll happily drink wine every day and (laughs) on holiday and yet my kids are like no sweets you know that's also a bit unfair I'm not saying you stuff them with sweets or holiday but actually you know sometimes life is about you know more indulgent times and then kind of less indulgent times
0: Mm. yeah totally I think you can work it in a way of just like Especially if you're all in it together, you can just be like, oh, let's just go and grab an ice cream. And for them, sometimes I guess what can be confusing is if you use that as a reward technique and all of a sudden they're now just getting it and perhaps they may not have been really good over the day, it's like, well, why am I now getting getting something that might might have been taken away and then it's like sometimes you can use that okay well if you you know if we have an ice cream now then it means no pudding after dinner and you can you know you get yeah. to that point and then it'd be like well why we're we not having pudding you know like, oh, because you had a really nice treat earlier you know we just had a random ice cream so yeah. tonight we're just gonna have fruit for pudding mm-hmm. it's then finding about that balance and then helping them to understand about how to be balanced around things that you know are boundaries
1: and i guess also praising for them for the fact that they asked you if yeah. if you know so you're so good for asking because so many kids just help themselves to stuff that they're not allowed. Right. They steal stuff. They steal, mm. you know, stuff and the, help themselves to the snack drawer and they know they're not allowed right. to do it. Yeah. So I guess there's that sort of acknowledging that I really respect the fact you asked me mm-hmm. and occasionally saying you know what yeah why not so that you're not always the kind of miserable old witch saying no you can't do anything <laughs> but you're often kind of on their side going go on then I think we all deserve a treat because I yeah. think that is really important and yeah. um uh, rather than you know rather than just always saying consistently nope no sweets before lunch or whatever it is
0: Yeah, I find there's also that weekend culture isn't there where it's like it gets to the weekend you have a fun day out. oh let's have a nice Cream. Mm. But then you wouldn't do it in the week. And mm-hmm. I think, as well, just I think when you follow through things that maybe seem um, routine, then mm-hmm. they kind of they get an idea as well then actually like oh it's the weekend Mm -hmm. but you do still have to follow through though if you're still going to use that as a consequence like oh if you're really good today and we'll get a treat later and then they're not good you have to take it away but what you can do I think in those times as well is then give them the opportunity to get it back Mm -hmm. and then do something really good and say like right okay if you now help me do this then you can get your treat back so it just kind of still it still goes with that whole reward consequence situation I think
1: I mean, consistency we've established is is the most important thing. So yeah. that if you've said no and you say this is not allowed, that always whenever they do that, there are consequences. It's obviously different when there are sort of different um, authority figures um, in mm-hmm. the household, and I'm sure that you know you're as a nanny much more consistent than potentially parents are. <laughs> and I can imagine you know you've been in situations where for you the children tidy up because they know that tidy up means tidy up now, right now, no negotiation because otherwise you're going straight on time out. But then maybe the <laughs> (laughs) the you know the naughty auntie or the you know the 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 father who's just been away on a trip and just you know is going to let it go Mm. will not follow through how important is it that all the kind of authority figures in the family are consistent in this sort of boundaries thing
0: I think it's really important I think you need to have those conversations as adults and as parents you need to say to yourselves right this is how we're going to do this together because you know imagine if you I can only see it that i if, if I've well I guess me if I've been at work all day but if I was in at home all day with a child and then I've been working so hard because they're constantly pushing the boundaries and I feel knackered by the fact that you you feel like you're constantly negotiating even though you know it isn't it's just using those boundaries and then the second the dad walks in gives them a sweet and then you're like I have just taken that away from them mm. it's it sets a whole different thing. Who's in charge here? And then it sends mixed messages to the child to be like, actually, well, mummy isn't that much in control because daddy's now just giving me the the treat. So I can still be naughty now and nothing bad's going to happen. Because I know it's daddy's going to say yes. Way. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just at that point, it comes down to you two working as a team and making sure that you're on the same page.
1: And also it's going to be an inevitable source of conflict amongst the parents. I know mm-hmm. that if I, you know, have, have or if Ben's worked really hard during the day trying to get the kids to do something and then I swan in and go swan sweets for everyone, that's like really, what? really frustrating. There'll be a bit of sort of passive aggressive sort yeah. of
0: Daddy, he <laughs> seems to think it's you know <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I have had that before in situations like, yeah, I've been like, nope, I'm putting you shouldn't eat at dinner and then the parents come in and be like, let's give them marshmallows. And I'm like, <sighs> but at that point, I like for me because it's then obviously finishing the work in the day, I have to cut off and be like, okay, well, that's how I handle things. That's how they've handled things. And unfortunately, it means I have seen that children react very differently or just act differently you know when when the parents are around yeah and there
1: are obviously some children that accept boundaries and get it and go for it and I I have two children that are quite quite different you know Ludo will you tell him a rule he's like totally fine I'll do I'll just brush my teeth and a daughter who just will try and get out of it you know she finds those boundaries a lot harder there are definitely children that will accept that and find those boundaries much easier to accept Mm -hmm. and children that will struggle a little bit more have you ever come across a child that just
0: can't um, sorry. <laughs> um truthfully no I think there are definitely ele- you know elements to it that will be personality on how hard they might push back but because you'll have children that might be more resilient than others but I think it's definitely as long as you stick with it they do listen it's just it might be a bit harder to get there than another child
1: yeah so I guess you know that you're talking about the girl who went once on time out and then realized that actually that's how it's done Mm -hmm. you might be 10 times but you've just got to be persistent and do you think that if you are persistent and you are consistent and clear with them yeah you will always get there in the end
0: yeah Totally. You've just got to keep that in mind. And I know that there's a, there's always that easier option. Like the easier option is going to be just to give in, but you're sending such the wrong message to a child if you do that, because then going forward, they'll always be like, I know I can get what I want.
1: Well, and I guess you've got to examine what no means because they Mm. aren't born knowing what no means. And Mm. no, actually, if you think about that word, means very different things to different people. Mm. And so that, you know, if you've got a child and you say, no, don't do it, um, does no mean I've got to stop doing it or does no signal to them she wants me to stop doing it. But if I really scream and dig my feet in, she'll just say yes. In which case no means actually kind of fine. Fine. Yeah. And and so that's just a different interpretation of the same word. It's not actually the child being naughty. It's just that the oh, child yeah. has been taught that that's what no means. Yeah. And actually I guess that that antisocial behavior has been encouraged rather yeah. than, you know, the good behavior been rewarded.
0: Yeah. Totally. And I think that's why it's so important to also really focus on when they have been good. To then say like, oh, that's really good and like encourage that because then you won't hopefully get as many no situations. I remember
1: so well um, when I was smaller my, actually, I was a bit older I was a teenager and I remember I went to a, a party with my sisters and there was a friend of my mother's there and you know I chatted to her and her daughter and all three of us went up and chatted to her and you know as you would and then about three days later my mother called up and she's like I just spoke to my friend and she said that you three were just so polite and so kind and Aww. so charming and she said do you know what of all the things you've ever done that has made me so proud Aww. and you know what that is I think really important because mm-hmm. I think charm and manners are easy they don't cost anything they don't require an expensive education or you know for you to look a certain way yeah. and you know some people are good at times tables and some children will be really good at sports or English and they get praised for that through academic cups and all of that kind of stuff and yeah. GCSE results but actually manners is something that I think we need to make a big deal of I think you can get anything in your life that you want pretty much through being charming yeah. i mean okay that's a huge <laughs> let's, let's <go. laughs> i think you can get very far in life with a smile and charm and yeah. charisma and that you know no one's gonna need you to know your eight times table after yeah. you've done that exam <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i totally agree it's that it comes down to like emotional intelligence isn't yes, it and it's exactly. actually just knowing more how to be a people person mm. because at the end of the day if you've got a child that's constantly smacking other children because that's how they're disciplined you're not going to want to be friends with that person Mm -hmm. and that's then like if you teach them those good manners they come across so much more politely and so much well Mm. behaved that you actually want your children to be friends with them
1: Well, Alexa, it's been so great talking to you. I am really inspired to reinstall those boundaries (laughs) and to to make those consequences much more concrete. Um, So, your website uh, is the londonbabycoach.com. So, obviously, you offer kind of support for people who are struggling. It's a sort of troubleshooting, isn't it? So, you can come spend a few days with people. Do you do remote support as well?
0: Yes. So, um, I have a routine setting plan, which I'd say is probably my most uh, popular service at the moment. And that's done through a plan which I create individually so i'll have a conversation with the parents over the phone or um, skype and then we put together this plan that will work for them what things they're trying to address and then for the following week we get um, e-support through just whatsapp or something and i help basically um, to implement the routine that way Um, but yes that is also now expanding into um, it's called like an e-guide that you can download and then also try try yourself
1: Perfect. So it's kind of tailored support, but offered remotely. So you don't need to come and live with a family or be kind of geographically um, close to them. Yes. Yeah, I've got someone
0: Scotland at the moment. Oh, good. (laughs) And you do meetups as well,
1: don't you, for new mums?
0: Yeah. So I started doing it um, sort of before the summer where if there's like a, you know, I always generalise with NCT, but just what I mean is like you know when you get the groups of mums when they're all new new um in parenthood and I would just go along and if we're all just sat having a cup of coffee they can just ask any questions um I find it's just a really useful way for people to ask questions in not quite a serious situation so I feel like a lot of people get a bit intimidated to ask things that maybe they're not sure on um so I think it's quite a nice relaxed environment um and I'm hoping to start actually a supper club so it's the same thing we all have dinner it's all nice and chill they don't even then have to be with babies and you know they can just ask any questions perfect and are you on social media at all yes so i'm on instagram um, and that is also just the london baby coach and uh, i've also just opened a facebook page
1: perfect so if people want to follow you and hear more about the supper clubs and the meetups then they can go on to yes. instagram and facebook yeah, definitely perfect well thank you so much alexa it's been brilliant talking to you yes, okay. It's and funny. thank you all <laughs> for downloading another episode of the parenthood please don't forget to subscribe rate and review us it really helps boost us in the charts and makes it easier for new listeners to find us you can also follow me on instagram i'm at marina.fogel but in the meantime from alexa and me thanks for listening and goodbye thank you
0: (laughs) hey it's paige Desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince